This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast, where today we will be discussing another case where women murder. Before that, I hope everyone's doing great, living a fulfilling life, and whatever else. It sounds like I'm forcing you all to love your life, and honestly I'm not trying to do that because I get it, life is hard. Just do what you can to make it the best version for yourself. So, It's no secret that women are definitely capable of killing men, but we probably also know that the reasons women kill men can be a bit different from the reasons men kill women. We hear about many cases where men kill women because they're tired of their life and want to leave their marriage without the hassle of a divorce, but somehow they're okay with the hassle of a murder investigation. Sometimes it's because they want out and want to be with other women. Names like Chris Watts, Brian Walsh, Drew Peterson, and perhaps Scott Peterson and Michael Peterson, if you think they're guilty, may come to mind. You've probably heard of the true crime joke about having to be wary of a man with the last name Peterson. According to a study done in the U.S., 34% of women were killed by their intimate partner, while only 6% of men died for the same reason. So why do women kill? In another research, the most common reasons women kill is due to insult by others, violence caused by others, and self-protection from sexual harassment. Not saying there aren't women out there who kill because they signed a prenup and divorcing means they get nothing, but it's not as common. Today's episode brings us to three young women who kill a family member together, and their reason is literally all of the above reasons mentioned. While it's not killing an intimate partner, it is a family member whom society deems as an important family figure, someone who should be protecting the family. That's right, their father. This is the case of the Kachaturian sisters, Christina, Angelina, and Maria. Thanks so much to my Russian listener, Catherine, for suggesting this case, because it's definitely something we need to discuss. Let's begin. So how did everything start? Let's begin with a woman named Aurelia Dundok. Not much is known about her life, but we do know that she moved from her hometown to Moscow, Russia, sometime in the year 1993. She was very young, probably looking to work in the big city, and in 1996, when she was 19, she fell pregnant to a man she had been seeing and probably assumed she was in love with. His name was Mikhail Kajaturian. Not every single woman out there grows up imagining a happily ever after with a spouse, kids, and a white picket fence. But I know for sure that no woman ever imagines a life of violence and stress caused by a partner. Yes, Mikhail was abusive. He began to show his true colors to Aurelia as soon as she told him she was pregnant. 
mainly by beating her and insulting her. She unfortunately went ahead and married this guy, maybe because she was pregnant and it was expected for her to do so, but it brought a lot of misery to everybody involved. She tried to leave, but would be forced to return due to threats of violence towards her and her family. Quote, We got married with tears in my eyes. He beat me, and after that, we went to get married. Unquote. Tell me you don't want to get married without telling me you don't want to get married. Their son, Sergei, was born in 1997, and Mikhail went ahead and spread his hateful ways to their son by bullying, beating, and abusing him, all in the name of parenting and educating. As a mother, this must have been difficult. It's not ideal that he abuses her, but having to see him abuse her child must have been worse. Also feeling completely powerless, not being able to protect him. Once Sergei finished middle school, his father was like, I guess you're a man now, then proceeded to throw him out to the streets, expecting him to survive on his own. As we have probably learned from several true crime cases, abusive partners don't really care about anyone but themselves, and those being abused have little say in what happens to them. They also rarely change because they don't see anything wrong with their actions. Mikhail most likely raped his wife multiple times, which resulted in three more daughters, and consecutively, I might add, starting from 1999. Aurelia pretty much was pregnant and nursing for three consecutive years, and I cannot imagine the toll that took on her. She managed to get away once and report her husband, so he followed her to the police station and hit her there, then dragged her home. No one did a thing for her. That's when Aurelia knew that there was nothing she could do, except stay with him and try to protect her daughters. All three daughters, Christina, Angelina, and Maria, were faced with a difficult family life from the start. Mikhail was a strict man. He set so many rules under his roof, basically no one was allowed to do anything without him okaying it. He was also deeply religious. It was said that Mikhail made several trips to Israel, visited multiple holy sites, prayed daily, etc. It also doesn't help that his original family, as in his parents and his siblings, all subscribed to his methods and way of thinking. It's the ultimate patriarchal family, where women do the bidding of the man, women belong to the kitchen, women are made to bear children and take care of their husbands. The family also condones men beating the women in their family for the sake of obedience and structure so you can imagine how they normalized all the horrors that may have taken place in their household and in their lives. While everyone in the family is enabling this, it's really not surprising, seeing that they probably all grew up this way, so this is just another average day for them. It's very difficult to flip your worldview upside down as an adult, and the harm is already done. The three sisters were regularly punished and just had difficult lives in general. Their mother, of course, wanted to help and shield them, but there was only so much she could do since she was also a victim of the abuse. In many cases, we do see mothers try to help their children from getting abused by taking on the majority of the punishments and attacks, and eventually, Mikhail grew to resent that. His marriage with Aurelia pretty much ended in 2015 when he kicked her out of the house. Not sure if they actually filed for divorce, but he forbade her from taking any of their daughters with her, 
threatening to kill them if she tried anything. I mean, if all the women left the household, Mikhail will probably die because who would bring him food, make his bed, clean the kitchen? God forbid he used his arms and legs for anything other than abusing other people. Aurelia was stuck between a rock and a hard place for sure. If she insisted on taking her children, he would very well kill them to make a point, which in turn would make her feel guilty, and obviously she would lose her kids. If she left, her daughters might stay alive, but would also be his focus of abuse. What could anyone do in this case? The three daughters were still young, ranging between 15 to 17 years of age. They were unable to fend for themselves, so they generally obeyed their father, regardless of how ridiculous his demands were. I did kind of wonder if it was possible for them to run away, but I imagine it might be difficult to leave your sisters behind, or leave together. It attracts a lot of attention, and realistically, there's not much they could do if they ran away. This part might get a bit graphic, so please use caution if details of physical and sexual abuse triggers you. We already know that Mikhail regularly threatened, beat, and humiliated his daughters. How far did he go, and what does that entail? It was said that Mikhail had this bell by his bedside, and he would ring it whenever he needed something, whether it was 3pm or 3am. He didn't care who, but once he rang that bell, one of his daughters had to rush to his side and do whatever he asked them to do. Sometimes it would be small things like, bring me water, get me food. Other times it could be something worse, like forcing himself on one of his daughters or forcing them to perform sexual acts on him. He would allegedly talk about having prostate issues and that the only way to feel better was to, uh, do what he says. I know. Absolutely disgusting, man. The three girls did go to school, and that probably makes you wonder if they had tried to reach out to others for help, like a teacher or a counselor. Apparently, a school psychologist had learned of what was happening and tried to discuss the issue with them, but for some reason or another, it didn't lead anywhere. Some teachers were supposedly aware of the abuse as well, but they decided not to interfere, probably because it's not their problem. After the girls got older, he began to forbid them from leaving the house, including going to school. Sometimes they'd go, but if he didn't want them to, they had to stay home to serve him. If the girls did not do things the way he wanted them to, he would punish them by locking himself in a room with one of them while the other two waited outside. He would yell at them, beat them, and pepper spray them in the face. It also didn't matter if he wasn't at home, because he had set up surveillance cameras all around his home to spy on his daughters, making sure they were kept in line and not being disobedient. What's even worse is that he allegedly filmed some of his sexual abuse acts on his daughters and uploaded them to the internet. This guy's a piece of shit, and we can all agree on that. The girls were completely helpless as well, which makes everything super tricky. Their mother was essentially cut off. Their relatives were useless because they didn't believe the claims of abuse. And even if they did believe it, they would dismiss it as parenting, or the girls probably did something to deserve it. Their teachers and neighbors kind of knew about what was going on, but none of them wanted to get involved. 
The girls, and perhaps some others who didn't like what was going on, did make several attempts to contact the police, but apparently they didn't do anything about it either. At this point, most options have been exhausted. How long could this possibly go on for? And when will it stop? We know the father is never going to change. So, what then? Wait for him to die? Or when one of them ends up dead? Or would the girls end up doing something to help themselves? I guess things finally got too overwhelming for the three sisters. After years of abuse and torture, they finally have had enough. The day was July 27, 2018, and technically speaking, it was not unlike any other day where they had to serve their father and bear the punishments for not doing things the way he wanted it done. Mikael had gone to the hospital earlier that day for a medical appointment, and upon entering his house at around 3 p.m., he began to curse and yell at his daughters for wasting his money and not cleaning up all the mess in the house. I find it hard to believe they were able to waste any of his money since he probably didn't give them much to begin with, but that's not the point. He began his usual routine of locking himself and one daughter at a time in a room, screaming at them and then ending the session with pepper spraying them in the face. I have never been pepper sprayed, but I imagine it's painful and terrifying. For one thing, it probably stings like hell, and not being able to see the threat in front of you adds another layer to the horror. Eventually, Mikhail made his way to the oldest sister, Christina, and despite her having asthma, he really didn't care. She was pepper sprayed in the face, and soon after, she fainted from an asthma attack. Maybe it didn't happen often, and this day, seeing their older sister faint from their father's punishment, pushed the other two sisters into action. Maria and Angelina began plotting secretly. They were scared for themselves, but mostly for Christina, because if she fainted this time, who knows what could happen next time. Once 7 p.m. rolled around and Mikhail began to settle into his evening routine, meaning napping on his favorite armchair, Maria and Angelina prepped themselves with a hammer and a hunting knife. Each holding a weapon, they attacked their sleeping father, smashing the hammer down on his head and the other one stabbing him. Despite the brutality, the father was not going to go down without a fight. During the commotion, Mikael, Maria, and Angelina were screaming and yelling, which of course alerted Christina, who was in her room. Christina ran out to where the voices were coming from and was immediately shocked at what was going on. Her father, their tyrant, bloodied and angry, defending himself against her two terrified younger sisters. Christina wasn't going to leave her sisters to fend for themselves, so she grabbed the pepper spray that was usually used on them and sprayed it in her father's face. I wonder if she felt any sense of satisfaction using the weapon he used on them on him in return. Regardless of getting pepper sprayed, Mikhail was still alive and kicking and attempted to run towards the door and get outside. The sisters were in too far at this point, so they ran after him, with Angelina taking the knife and stabbing her father once in the heart. This isn't some fictional movie where the villain continuously tries to get up, defying death and seeking revenge. This is real life, meaning Mikael died from that stab to the heart. Obviously, this is the end of the attacks. 
but the beginning of another set of troubles. They were unsure of how to deal with the outcome. Probably driven by fear and anger, they were unable to think clearly. They had no means of discarding their father's body. And what would they tell the neighbors, friends, and family? But if they called the police now, it would be too obvious and would be seen as straight-up murder. Instead, they decided to make it look like it was an attack from their father gone wrong. They took the knife used to kill Mikael and cut themselves several times, just to make it seem more believable that their father had gone mad with rage, attacked them, and they had to defend themselves. They ended up calling the police, and much to their dismay, all three sisters were arrested the following day for murder. The Asian Madness Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Just wondering, how is life going for everyone? Maybe you constantly struggle with emotions and things that happen in life, or maybe life is generally fine, but you wouldn't mind getting a bit of help along the way. As you know, I've tried my hand at therapy several times. I try to be consistent, and it can be really helpful having a therapist, meaning a neutral third party, to hear me out and help me navigate this difficult thing we call life. Whatever it is you're facing, therapy is there to help you map out your future. BetterHelp is a professional counseling platform where they can match you with a licensed professional therapist in just under 48 hours. This form of therapy is done entirely online, very convenient, and also offered worldwide. Depending on how you feel, you have the choice of communicating with therapists via messages, audio calls, or video calls. We all probably dislike commuting, and not to mention it can be awkward seeing someone face-to-face. All you need is a stable internet connection, and you can go on their website, fill out a brief questionnaire, and you will get matched with a licensed professional. If, for whatever reason, you feel like you're not vibing with a therapist, BetterHelp will help you switch to a therapist more compatible at no additional cost. Remember, therapy is not just for when you're feeling down. It can be a helpful tool, and you just might be surprised at what you'll learn about yourself. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com am today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash am. Of course, that isn't the end of the story, because we know it's much more complicated than simple murder. As you can imagine, this was major news for Russia at the time. Everyone was obsessed with this case. It was sensational. Three young girls killing their father. What happened? Investigation into Mikhail's death unfolded, and all three sisters had to explain why they did what they did. They recounted their years of torture, abuse, sexual molestation, you name it. In regards to the sexual abuse, it was said that this started after their mother was kicked out of their house. It was also revealed that Mikhail had texted her to stay away, calling her a prostitute, and if she came back, he would kill her. I hate to say this, but I believe Mikhail was going for the men have needs shit, and since his wife was gone, he had to get it somewhere, and oh look, I have three young girls in my house. What a coincidence. Why would he not get a girlfriend? 
Well, maybe no one wanted to put up with his shit. Or he had no game. While it's important to believe the victims, they also went to different medical examiners to get solid proof, and the evidence did indeed indicate that the daughters had various injuries resulting from rape and sexual abuse. One of the daughters was even treated at one point for attempting suicide after being sexually abused by her father while on vacation. Mikhail would even use religion as a way to rape his daughters, saying that sex outside marriage is a sin, so seeing as their family, it's not a sin. If you're familiar with the Bible, then you might know the story of Lot and his two daughters. It's obviously not the same, but the two daughters basically get their dad drunk and quote-unquote rape him, because sleeping with a man and bearing children is the custom all over earth. Maybe he took this a bit too literally. It's indeed crazy how much these three sisters went through. And in a comforting sense, if we were forced to find a silver lining, they at least had each other for support, as no one believed or cared enough about them to do anything. Their interviews with law enforcement was taped, which was used to verify all three sisters' stories. They lawyered up, and the defense team felt like they had a pretty good argument. Three young girls suffered at the hands of their father for years. No friends, no relatives, no adults. No government organizations stepped up to protect them. In cases like these, what are the victims supposed to do? Let it continue? Write out the rough years and get out ASAP? The sisters obviously felt like they were cornered with nowhere to turn to. The sisters stated that they had tried to reach out to the police multiple times for help, even their mother had tried, but all of their woes fell on deaf ears. Mikhail, of course, threatened his daughters with violence, telling them that going to the police won't help them, but would instead earn them more abuse. Aurelia, the mother of the sisters, believed that Mikhail had close ties with the local police, which would explain why no one was willing to help them out. Some stated that he constantly bragged about being well-connected, Maybe it was out of fear. Maybe it was out of loyalty to a friend. Either way, the police definitely failed everybody in this scenario. Multiple neighbors, family members, and teachers were questioned, and most of them acknowledged that they had an idea of what was taking place at their home, but they were all reluctant to help out. Turns out, there was an investigation years ago into Mikhail's behavior, but Mikhail would seek out all the witnesses set to testify against him, then harass and threaten them. It's kind of ridiculous, and while I'm not really against the police or anything, we have to admit there are times where they just suck. While most of the witnesses acknowledged the abuse, there were some that rejected this portrayal of Mikhail. For example, Mikhail's nephew, Arsen Kachaturian, claimed that the three sisters lied about it for attention and to punish their already dead father. As for punishments that may have taken place, well, they probably deserved it. They probably were being bad, so Mikhail simply did his job at parenting. Mikhail's sisters also did not believe their brother was a bad person. In their opinion, the daughters probably killed him to steal his money. They also rejected Aurelia's statement of Mikhail raping her, stating that it's impossible for a husband to rape his wife. I get it, they all had the same warped worldview and family view, which doesn't mean it's great. 
but in a sense, understandable. Thank goodness, Arson and the two sisters were one of the few that believed Mikael was a good man. It's just a pity that Mikael wasn't around to see his own downfall. But I'm not too sad about that either. Just sucks that his daughters have to be held responsible for his murder, something that could have been prevented had anyone done anything for them. That's right, the sisters eventually went to trial. The prosecutors attempted to elevate their charges from simple murder to murder committed by a group of persons under a preliminary conspiracy, a.k.a. premeditated murder. I guess in a sense it was premeditated because Maria and Angelina semi-planned it out, though it wasn't some sophisticated plan. It was self-defense because it was only a matter of time until something else bad happened to them. If they tried to kill their father while he was awake and angry, it would have likely backfired on them. It also wasn't favorable to the three sisters that their father was stabbed over 30 times. And because the house was littered with security cameras, it was all taken into consideration. I guess that does seem a bit more severe than self-defense. The defense team, though, were not willing to back down. Their statement read, quote, The girls lived in an environment of the constant threat for their own lives and the lives of their sisters. Being practically isolated from the outside world, they were convinced that it was impossible to get outside help, and this made the situation hopeless. Their actions were aimed at stopping the inevitable violence that was committed against them. Unquote. So what now? Here's a quick recap of what went down after the murder. The sisters were held in a detention facility while the big guys were trying to figure out what to do with them. They were originally set to stay for only a few days, but because of the complexity of this case, their stay at the detention center went on for a couple more months. From here on, the prosecution and the defense couldn't come to an agreement as to how to proceed. The prosecution was like, this is premeditated murder. And the defense was like, it was necessary self-defense. All three sisters received psychological assessments from professionals, and Maria was found to be mentally unwell when the murder was committed. As we know, she did launch an initial attack, but it was Angelina who took the knife and delivered the fatal stabbing to their father. As for Angelina and Christina, despite being of sound mind, they were both found to be suffering from battered women's syndrome and PTSD. Honestly, that makes sense. Around the same time, the investigating team admitted that yes, Mikhail is a terrible man and confirmed that he abuses daughters in multiple ways. The sisters were allowed to return home with a relative to await trial, but of course, under several conditions, such as not interacting with the media, no internet time, etc. The sisters experienced a limbo for several months until mid-2019, the investigating team planned on charging Mikhail for child porn, rape, abuse, all that. Yes, he's already dead, but at least they were willing to acknowledge it, which in turn proved that the sisters were not liars and were most definitely not after his money, which he probably didn't have much of anyway. Then another round of what do we charge the sisters with went on again, and sadly for them, their premeditated murder charges remained in place. Here's something I find pretty interesting. Apparently, it was difficult to proceed with putting the sisters on trial and sentencing without properly investigating, charging, and I guess sentencing their father. 
I suppose a lot of what can happen to their sisters depend on what exactly their father was like. If he was the monster they said he was, then it would probably affect their sentencing, right? So beginning in 2021, a proper investigation launched against Mikael, and in May of 2022, he was officially charged for rape, sexual violence, battery, etc. Obviously, he wasn't sentenced because he was already dead. In a report conducted, Mikhail was found to have, quote, a tendency to aggression, unquote, and had, quote, special sexual preferences aimed at his own daughters, unquote. What do you think would have been the correct course of action if you were one of the sisters? If you tried to leave, you would endanger yourself and your sisters, and your father would threaten to hunt you down and deliver more beatings. Do you report him? We know how that turned out. One of the sisters' lawyers, Alexei Parshin, stated that it was their father who drove them to commit this murder because, quote, the moment he began to commit crimes against them, he stopped being a father, unquote. Unfortunately, the sisters are still awaiting trial, and I can only send good vibes and hope the prosecutors realize the severity of Mikhail's abuse and how it all took them down this path. As I mentioned earlier, the nation was paying close attention to this case, and many were not happy with what was happening, especially when they kept hearing about how the prosecutors wanted to stick with the premeditated charges, which would mean 8 to 20 years in prison. Hundreds of people protested on the streets, around government buildings, beginning in 2019, in major Russian cities. Petitions were sent out to ask for leniency and to not prosecute them. When it comes to domestic violence, it really can get quite complicated. There's apparently an unauthorized group called the Male State, which is basically an organization that upholds the patriarchy. The female version of this group never managed to launch because the male state guys threatened them viciously. I know, really frustrating stuff. Another reason why domestic violence is not seen as a big deal is because of the Russian Orthodox Church and those that advocate for traditional values, which I guess means men are allowed to educate and punish women and have to be respected no matter what. Many conservatives basically whined about how the evil Western standards are disintegrating Russian traditional family values, and that'll be the end of the world. And they say women are dramatic. These guys are really something. Prior to 2017, there was punishment for domestic violence, which could land someone in prison for maybe two years. But due to pressure from the church and conservatives, domestic violence was basically decriminalized as long as the victim is not seriously injured. Do note that Vladimir Putin is heavily backed by the conservatives, so their opinion and his decisions would determine if he stayed in power. Quote, violence against a spouse or a child that results in bruising or bleeding but not broken bones is now punishable by 15 days in prison or a fine of 30,000 rubles if it does not happen more than once a year. Unquote. It's ridiculous, like, every man has a limit of beating their spouse or child once a year, as long as it's not too bad. Better make good use of that. After domestic violence was minimized and pretty much decriminalized, a crisis hotline was set up by a women's rights organization, much to the displeasure of Putin and his comrades. 
their statistics came out shocking. In 2016, there were about 20,000 complaints of domestic violence, and in 2018, after decriminalizing domestic abuse, the number rose to over 30,000. What do you expect when your lawmakers basically tell you it's okay to beat your wife and kids as long as you don't seriously hurt them? They will take advantage of this, fully knowing that the government supports their actions, and even if they are found somehow guilty, they get a slap on the wrist, go back home, and resume the beatings. The few that did receive longer sentences involve mutilating and killing their victims. In other words, it has to get that bad for anyone to care. I strongly believe the number of women facing domestic violence is higher than what is reported because we know how many out there are probably scared to seek help. Reporting it to a crisis hotline won't necessarily do you much good either, but it's a start. Another interesting statistic came out regarding Russian women in prison for murder. Between 2016 and 2018, nearly 80% of those stated that they had only murdered out of self-defense against an abusive spouse. Are you in support of this traditional family thing these conservatives are so obsessed with? I think it's possible to have both, as in having a traditional family with traditional family views, I guess, without having to beat the living shit out of them. Just my opinion, though. Or maybe I'm too liberal. So there you have it. The extremely brutal story of the three Kachaturian sisters, their hardships, and their ultimate decision to get out of it. I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes, of course, and I kind of wonder if they have regretted their choice at all. Living with Mikael feels like torture, hell on earth, getting constantly threatened with words and weapons. Maybe being in a detention center is more liberating than being at home with him. Who knows? Either way, I'm not terribly disappointed he's gone for good, though I wouldn't have mind seeing him try to lie and weasel his way out of this unsuccessfully. It scares me that if he were alive, he would have the chance to paint himself as the loving but misunderstood father with three rebellious daughters. Friends, please always be kind. Don't be like Mikael. If you see or hear anything, please find ways to help others, but do it safely. It's hard and every situation is different. We cannot expect to save everyone, but we can pay closer attention to ourselves and our loved ones. Be safe, and till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com.